Hello everyone and welcome to the Business of PT podcast. I'll be your host, JT Moore. In this podcast, we will be interviewing successful physical therapists and learning about their stories in the field of PT. We will discuss a variety of topics such as entrepreneurship, careers, and pathways in physical therapy, as well as important characteristics in becoming a great PT. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you liked it, make sure to subscribe to get updates when new podcasts are released. Thanks, everyone. Hey, everyone. Big news. The Business of PT podcast would like to announce its first sponsor, the PT Hustle. Make sure to check it out. Here's a short ad from our sponsor, and we'll get you to the new episode. What's up, listeners of the Business PT Podcast? This is Dr. Kyle Rice, also known as Coach K, founder of the PT Hustle. And we help PT students and new grads make the final transition into their dream job or entrepreneurial life by helping them dominate the NPTE. We know the best entrepreneurs and PTs weren't necessarily the best test takers. And that's why the PT Hustle specializes in helping non-traditional students and those who have failed the MPTE before. So you can learn more about us at thepthustle.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast with my friend JT Moore. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of having Caitlin Kaiser with us. Caitlin is a board-certified sports clinical specialist. She's a certified athletic trainer and a certified strength and conditioning specialist, as well as dry needling certified. Caitlin currently works at Spooner Sports Institute in Phoenix, Arizona as a staff physical therapist. Caitlin, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, JT. Yeah, I'm really excited to be able to dive into your story and be able to share um, your realm and be able to get to the sports side of PT. Uh, but would you be able to start off by introducing yourself to the audience? Of course. Um, so a little bit about me, not to bore y'all, but um, my name is Caitlin Kaiser. Like JT said, I'm from the East Coast, actually, and just kind of transplanted out here on the West Coast. But I'm from Waldorf, Maryland. It's about like 30 to 45 minutes outside of Washington, D.C. Um, so a lot of cold. So I moved to the desert. Um, I grew up playing softball, volleyball. My family and I were really kind of intertwined in sports. Um, My brother played football and uh, baseball and my dad kind of as well. Um, My mom was always our biggest cheerleader. Um, So probably couldn't tell you much about the sports, but she would always be the loudest one on the field. Um, So we grew up really, really close and kind of had sports kind of at the center of everything. So obviously kind of a little bit what drove me into the sports realm. Um, other than that, um, I just love being outdoors. I love working out. I, I love hiking, partially also why I moved out here. Um, I have a little son, aka Dachshund Teddy. Um, he's kind of my little world. But other than that, um, I really enjoy being out here in Arizona. I really enjoy my job now. Um, I have a very, I guess, interesting kind of weird little path to kind of what I got to doing what I'm what I was doing, a lot of extra school in a sense. Um, not that much though, but I, I would not change it for the world. So I don't mind talking about it a little bit. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much for being able to share a little bit about your life outside of PT. And yeah, we kind of want to dive into a little bit deeper of the PT realm. So you said that you kind of had the sports realm. Did you always have PT on your radar as a career path or how did that come about? So I kind of started knowing that I wanted to do something in sports. I knew if I had to sit at a desk all day, I would, it would drive me insane. So I knew desk job, anything like that, heck no, could not do that. Um, so I kind of started, okay, I like sports. I met kind of our high school athletic trainer. I'll never forget her. Her name's Brandy Lockerman. I just kind of picked her brain about it. I would go in between basically school ending and then our practice is starting. I would just ask her, how do you tape an ankle? How do you tape a wrist? Um, do you like your job? Do you hate your job? Like what, what are ways that I can better help you or kind of learn a little bit more? So I picked her brain basically until I graduated high school. So from there, I kind of was like, oh, athletic training. That sounds, I want to do that. I really want to do that. Um, it just seems so fun. She got to go to all the games. She was putting together like puzzle pieces. She seemed so intelligent to me. She knew everything. And I just was like, I want to be like her. So I basically kind of knew that going into school. So then my big thing was, do I want to play softball or do I want to 
be an athletic trainer because um, a lot of D1 schools, you can't do both, which kind of makes sense because you go through a lot of clinicals and you're basically on a sports team when you're athletic training students. So that was kind of like a really hard decision for me to make was giving up softball. But it, like I said, I would not change anything for, well, maybe um, having a little school paid would have been nice, but uh, <laughs> that, um, I wouldn't change it for the world. So I kind of got to PT kind of from athletic training. Um, the more I got into schooling and the more we learned and the more I kind of got my mentors within athletic training world, I knew pay was really, really bad. Um, they were really, really underappreciated given their knowledge and their skill set. And the burnout was really, really high. Like I think back now, I can't, there's probably like a handful of my friends that I graduated with and that would have been 2016 that are still in athletic training, which is really, really sad because it's such like, I love it. Like I, I love it to death. Um, and I, I think if it's that combination of the hours and the pay that kind of get people a little burnt out. Um, so that kind of was like, Oh, I think I'm going to go to PT school after this. So I kind of went into my athletic training program, knowing that, um, so I went to, I did the four years of bachelor's degree in athletic training at James Madison university. And then once I graduated, I went straight to PT school. So I, I kind of went into that knowing that, um, but just, I feel like sometimes people kind of think, oh, well, don't use it as a stepping stone. It, it was kind of like a blend of kind of my passion in a way. And it wasn't like, oh, I need this to get there. It was like, okay, well, my end goal is this. So how can I best prepare myself for my, you know, future clients, my future future athletes, um, whatever that I was going to end up doing. I did try to go into PT school with an open mindset, like maybe I'll like something more, but no, <laughs> it didn't know. It just mm -hmm. didn't. Um, I did really like neuro. And I think we kind of don't really appreciate how much neuro is involved in our athletes. Um, and just, I mean, all the cognitive stuff, all thinking about parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous systems, different things like that. I don't think we really think about that with sports. Um, but it's still, still really inter intertwined. So definitely for all the students that are like, I don't have to think about this. You definitely will. <laughs> if you go into sports, that, that's a great highlight to point up, uh, to point out. That's something that sometimes you think, oh, neuro or cardio, like you don't, that's not going to apply just to sports. I'm going to do the musculoskeletal, but that's a great point to really highlight. And I've seen yeah. that learning from my other mentors that have that sports side neuro is such a big point, but thank you for sharing the aspect of, of athletic training and then transitioning to PT. I know that's a, a more popular route, um, getting to sports side of physical therapy. Yeah. What are some of the things that you felt getting your athletic training? Um, what really helped or what part of the education really helped prepare you in getting into the sports room of PT? I think a lot of it is just exposure. Like you're working in a fast paced environment with a lot of politics, with a lot of different personalities and it's either sink or swim. So I'm, I know sometimes I'll get people who ask me like, okay, I feel like you're just doing too, like you're doing too much. Like, why are you doing your ATC? Why are you then going to PT school for another three years? Then why are you going to do um, a residency for another one plus years? Like that just seems crazy to me. I don't have time for that. Um, but to me, it didn't seem like work. It was just kind of like, this is what I want to do. And this is what I'm passionate about. And now I have all these people in my circle that want to help me be a better clinician, be a better person. And it's just, I don't know. It was just fun to me. It was just trying to get to my goals and to have as many people like that I could reach out to as I was kind of growing and maturing and having things pop up. Um, so I think sometimes there is pushback, um, but it's like, we all have our different passions and our different ways of doing things. And for me, it just made the most sense. And I knew like, there's never going to be an easy time to do further schooling or to do anything. So I knew for me, like I just needed to go just get it out of the way, learn as much as I can, and then just keep stacking on on top of that. Just keep trying to get mentors, learn from people. Um, that was even like now where I'm working now, I wanted to be somewhere where there were a lot of senior PTs that I knew I could ask questions that I could grow from. Um, obviously I knew the good reputation of the Spooner Sports Institute slash Fisher Institute. So I knew I was hopefully a going to be walking into a good environment because I just knew the legacy of the place and the people that work there and the team that work, work there, which was really important to me too. But I think just 
the biggest thing is like, if you have that goal, you need to figure out what you need to do to get to that goal. And for me, I, I got a little bit lucky in the fact that I did do the bachelor's first. Cause you do see, see a lot of people do it almost in the reverse order. Um, so a lot of times you have your DPTs or your PTs going back to get your, get their masters of athletic training now, since it's more of a master's entry-level master's program, um, which is just two extra years typically um, for people doing that. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Um, I actually get a lot of people who will ask me um, as they're applying to the sports residency I went to, like, hey, if I don't get in or if I this doesn't work out, what would you recommend? Keep trying next year for a sports residency or do I go get my master's in athletic training? And a lot of times, if that's the question they ask me, I say, go get your master's of athletic training if you want to work in professional sports. Um, so I, I don't think it's as big of a deal if you don't work in a team or a professional setting. But then again, it's all about your goals. What do you want to learn? What type of clinician do you want to be? What setting do you want to function in? Um, I do think if you want to function in a team athletic training room, I think having that master's of athletic training or just your, your bachelor's is going to be like very, very crucial to you being able to survive. <laughs> that's perfect. No, thank you for sharing yeah. that. That's, that's honestly really insightful to know, like, Hey, if this is your goal, do the fat. I mean, this is basically the fast track is what it sounds like that you did. And yeah. So that's perfect. Thank you for that. Yeah. One of, the, one of the things you also mentioned in there is that you did your sports residency. Um, mm-hmm. do you do that right after school. And if so, where in the process did you decide, Oh, I although I have my athletic training and I'm a DPT now, I want to do this as well. When did that decide and when did that come into play? So my third, my school, I went to University of Maryland, Baltimore. We did our three 11 week clinicals um, at the end of like our third or with our third year. Um, So my last rotation was at the University of Maryland. So I was kind of doing almost like a hybrid with my CI and we were kind of half in half in the training rooms, working with the athletes. And then like two days we were in the clinic. And then we also did some teaching, which he has an amazing job. It's so cool. Um, Mike, his name's Mike Zaro. Shout out to Mike. But he was really the one who kind of inspired me to do a sports residency. He had just done one. He was kind of like the pilot of kind of their residency launching it. And I was just trying to figure out like, man, like sports is so, like such a small environment. Like it's a small setting, like kind of like I I said a little bit earlier, like if you get your foot in the door, like you get your foot in the door, but I was like, how do I get my foot in the door? Like, sure. I have my ATC, but I went straight into PT. So it's like, I don't really have that much, you know, experience quote unquote, as being an athletic trainer besides my clinicals and then doing some like PRN stuff. But I was like, first of all, I don't know if I have the knowledge and the confidence to just go and, you know, perform on the field with just my schooling. Um, so that was kind of like the best way I could think of one learning two networking, building my mentors, but also getting kind of that experience both in the athletic training room, but also in the clinic. So I was better able to kind of, I guess, like intertwine those two things, like trying, how do I, how do I figure out how to rehab the athlete in a clinic, but also think functionally of what they need to be able to do on the field, but then also be in the training room and being able to do it in reverse or being able to know, like, how do we function in both settings and make this athlete, this client, the most successful. So for me, it was all about learning the experience, meeting people, um, And just kind of, like I said a little bit earlier, kind of building that circle of people that I knew I could go to for the rest of my life. Yeah. Honestly, networking is such an important aspect. And now that I'm like, as you're hearing it, I'm hearing all your story and everything. I don't know. I'm sure it's hard to kind of separate these things, but what would you say the big kind of key point that you took from each of those degree, from each of those kind of certifications or degrees Mm -hmm. from the ATC, from your DPT and getting your residency if you had one kind of one big bullet point for each of those, would there be something that really sticks out to you in each of those that you learned and that you found this was really valuable for this and like for each of them? I feel like my HPC the most is just like acute management. Like, how are you going to respond right now? Like they just, their femur is coming out of their leg. What are you going to do? And it's, 
that's like something I think I struggle so much to kind of explain to some of like my PT coworkers, my, just my PT friends, like that's something we do not learn. Like that is not our job. It, it's not a job as a PT and you don't know how to handle that situation. So I think a lot of times when you get the pushback or kind of the, the pettiness between the, the fields of athletic training and PT, like there's such valuable professions and like, they're so beautiful when they can come together and both can function in the same setting or just even be in two different locations, but kind of experience and respect the roles of each other. Um, so I think what we hugely sometimes as PTs don't understand because we don't have that schooling is just that acute management of being able to spine board an athlete, being able to know, okay, pick out this red flag. Like this is, this person might have some type of spinal cord injury. Like they need to go to the hospital. Now um, they have a ruptured globe. Like just there's things like dental injuries, eye injuries, um, like heat stroke, different things that we maybe hear about in P like as PTs, but you don't experience them and know how to react within a couple of seconds, which mm-hmm. you really have to be able to do as an athletic trainer. So I think that was the, the thing that like one I loved the most about athletic training. Um, you always had to be on your toes, but that acute management is, it sets it so much, so far from any, even like EMTs, it's different. Like you're not EMTs sometimes aren't actually there. Like they're sometimes that second responder that's, you know, it's, it's just different, but it's fun and scary, but you do learn how to manage your emotions and react on a fly. Okay. Perfect. For PT, I would say, um, being able to like blend those and being able to kind of put puzzle pieces together. Um, I think sometimes what I missed kind of, even when I was in new Orleans was like being able to take a, a client an athlete and being able to take them from injury. So having that ATC background, that was the cool thing about being able to be an ATC DBT there was, you know, taking that, that athlete from injury. Like I know their mechanism of injury. I saw it happen and being able to take them to full, of course, you're probably never going to be 100% rehabilitated, but trying to get them back to return to play like that just most times does not happen in an athletic training room setting. Oftentimes if they have to get surgery, they're going out and doing something. Um, they're going somewhere else for PT. Um, you're referring them out elsewhere. Cause I mean, when you have, you know, 53 man roster plus your 15 plus potentially on practice squad, you just don't have the time and to take care of that many high level guys that need that individual care. So I think being able to learn in PT, that individualized care, that's specific to somebody where you actually, you're putting together the pieces, whether it's musculoskeletal, neuromuscular, um, cognitive, whatever you have to put together, emotional to treat that patient. It's, you're not putting on band-aids anymore. You're actually getting people better for long-term, which is hard to do sometimes. And when you're ATC, cause you're just trying to keep the roof on the building. <laughs> Very so, cool. Um, the SCS, I just, I had such an amazing experience with my sports residency. Like I was so blessed. They are, were literally my family. Um, I went, I was doing mine through the university of Mississippi medical center. Um, so it was tied to Ole Miss. And also that's how I kind of started my opportunity in new Orleans with that. I mean, I hate to keep saying networking, but it just proved to me how, like vital networking and like having good mentors is like I, during when I was in new Orleans, I think I called them maybe once a week, just being like, Hey, we have this guy. What do you recommend? Or I'm getting really overwhelmed. What do you recommend? And it's so critical just to have, like, they're not just, you know, professional mentors. They're people I can reach out to. Like I knew if I was broken down on the side of road, they would come pick me up. Um, So I think with that, it was just networking and building, like I said, your circle. Um, And it was just more, more about having like all those different experiences. Like everybody brought something different to the table as far as my mentors and my residency. So you really do have to be open to learning 
whatever and whenever. Um, like my program director, he had an OCS. So he was really um, big on like McKenzie. So I learned a ton orthopedic wise from him and manual wise from him, which looking back, like some people would be like, oh, he's, he's not even an SCS. Why is he a program director? I learned so much because he wasn't an SCS. And I had so many other mentors that were SCSs that it, it didn't even matter. And in fact, I think it was actually a better learning environment for me. Um, the South had really good food. So, you know, that was great. Um, so Perfect. That, that's no. what I say. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those. Cause I think that's really cool to be able to see all the different things in each of those aspects that you've been able to pull out and how all of them have blended together to make you a great clinician. And that's, that's really, really yeah. neat to be able to, to see. So, and you mentioned it a couple of times so far, um, during your, your residency, you had the opportunity to work with New Orleans Saints. What was the opportunity like? And what were some of the big things that you took away from that experience? I think kind of the biggest thing with that is just learning like humility and how to be humble and know that there's a time for everything and you almost need a function in your space. Like it, it's hard, I think, in these competitive environments, even now working in a sports environment where it's like, everybody wants to be somebody's guy. Like everybody wants to be like, oh, I want, you know, this big athlete, this big professional athlete to want to come to me. And it's, I think a lot of times it becomes so competitive in nature. Um, but it's so important to just kind of, like I said earlier, just be in your space and learn as much as you can. Like I had such a great opportunity to learn from so many athletic trainers, so many PTs. So, um, our director of sports medicine was amazing. Um, learning from, you know, the equipment staff, learning from even our dietitian. like there were so many people there for me to learn from. I learned so much from interns, just from, there's so much that goes into the politics and the functioning of a professional sports team. Like I never, it blew my mind how political everything was. And it's so easy to take things so personally, like, oh my gosh, like he, he just got here and now he's cut and now he's not getting paid. Like it's, it's so easy to kind of get lost in the politics of sports and just kind of the emotions of sports. Um, but you always have to remember like, okay, I'm here to learn. I'm here to do this. Um, how can I make this the best opportunity, the best environment I can? And at the end of the day, you just got to go, go, go. And it, I really learned there um, how much I could push myself as far as kind of my schedule. Um, it was very like regimented. We would work 14 plus days, seven days a week. And I look back and I'm like, I have no idea how I did that, but it was so, it was so structured. And at the time I was studying for my SCS because I was taking that, I took it in the March and I guess was that March, 2021 when I moved to Arizona. So I actually lived in Arizona for like a week and then I went and took my test. <laughs> so it's kind of crazy, but you kind of learn how, like, if you have a goal, like you can reach it, you just need to set it kind of up. So I would, you know, wake up at four, four 30, I would go work out. I would have to be there by like five 30 and five 36, sometimes six 30. Then you'd set up stuff for the day and then you have treatments. Then they would have um, team meetings and you have more treatments and, and then you'd have practice. So it, it was very structured. I loved that though, because you were constantly moving. So you never really got tired. Um, and I think like another big thing is I had a really amazing group of people that I worked with. Um, so it was a, it was a really healthy environment. Um, but everybody can contribute, like you learn, like there's no hierarchy, like at the end of the day, uh, the guy needs to get water and they need to get Gatorade. So it doesn't matter if you are, um, the head athletic trainer, it doesn't matter if you're an intern, like we're all going now to go hand out Gatorade and water. Um, and for me, that was really cool because it was like, you're, they valued you as a part of their team. And it didn't matter how much money you made, how much education you had, you all functioned. And at the end of the day, the goal was to win the Super Bowl. So everybody does what they have to do to win, to win the Super Bowl. Um, so it's kind of a little, it's a weird environment. It's a very rewarding environment. Um, I just remember days being like really tired and then the guys would, you know, make jokes or make you laugh. And you're like, okay, this is why I love my job. Like I might've gotten three hours of sleep, but you know, <laughs> they're worth it. Yeah. Um, 
So it, it's definitely like, it's, it's a balance. Um, but I, I took so much away from, from being there just personally, professionally. Um, there's athletic trainers that I still talk to like weekly from there. And it's been almost a year and a half since I've been there last. So it's, it's really cool. Um, it definitely kind of opened the door, I think for where I am now. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a fun experience. Good. I'm glad that you really enjoyed that. And as you were talking, another question came to my mind and that is obviously we know there's a lot of pros to being in the sports realm. A lot of people really have that desire, especially getting into PT. Um, and could you share with us some of those pros that really have stood out to you, but then also, like you said, there's, that's a lot of time. And so there are some cons in the realm of a sports PT. Could you kind of highlight some of those pros and cons that you found so far in your career in the sports setting? I think one of the pros is that it's, it's fun, right? It's a, it's a fast paced environment. Like there's something always going on. There's always somebody laughing, like somebody's cracking jokes. It's really just a fun environment to be in, whether, I mean, now I would say the sports Institute kind of functions as a, it's almost like an athletic training room environment. It's fun. It's light. It's airy. Yeah. We get our job done. We see our patients, we see our clients and we get them better, but it's still, it's that the music's always playing. It's, it's just a happy, upbeat environment. Um, it's almost hard to be like negative and upset in the environment. So I love that because I just feel like people walk in with a good attitude. Like even if they're coming off from a long day at work or the guys are getting back for off season training, like you walk in and you're just like, okay, we're going to put some work in. We're excited. This is a good environment to be in. And for some, a lot of people, you know, it's kind of a home away from home and it's just a positive place where they can go and they know like, they're going to be okay. They're going to, they're going to have a good workout. They're going to get whatever they have that they're dealing with dealt with. Um, so I really like that, um, part just in even an athletic training room setting or kind of like where I work now. Um, and kind of like what I already said, it, the athletes, the clients, your, your clientele, because they like that environment they're in, they really make you love your job. Like, yeah, documenting all of that. I mean, that's probably the thing I hate the most, but I mean, <laughs> most PTs would probably say that, but it's really like, they remind you every day what, like, oh, I love, this is why I love my job. Um, where I feel like sometimes if you're in a different setting, it's a little bit more draining. It's constantly like, you almost feel like you're taking that stuff home with you. And of course you have your, you know, your highs and your lows in the sports world, um, especially sometimes with how highly kind of that job is for a lot of your professional athletes, um, which is still also important that you don't take that home with you. Um, but for the most part, it's, they really do remind you every day why you love it. Um, I think just being an athlete myself, just the competitive environment, whether it's your coworkers always joking around, joking around with the techs, joking around with your clients, um, just knowing all of your client or all of the clients names that aren't even your clients. Um, you, people are just, like I said, happy. They want to, they want to talk to people. Um, they want to play jokes. They want to be competitive, um, which is really kind of, you know, that sports world performance standards are increasing every day. Like you have to be on your toes. It, it pushes you to be better. You can't be complacent. You can't just, oh, well, I learned this in school and that that's not going to change for me. You won't survive and it, it won't be pretty. You'll just be pushed out. It's just, it kind of pushes you to kind of evolve as a clinician and evolve as a person, um, learn how to, you know, deal with different personalities. Like you, you can't be a, you know, super bubbly person around this client because that's not how they respond. Um, so you kind of learn how to deal with those in a positive way and still kind of get that outcome. Um, but you also have to know too, I guess, sometimes with cons is that sometimes you're not, you're not going to please everybody. Some guys come in and they're like, okay, well, you know, I see a 43 year old athletic trainer every day when I'm in season and I want somebody who knows him and who is his age and who has been working in this field at this place for that long. And you have to be okay with that. And that's fine. And you still, you know, make light with those athletes or those clients and, you know, maybe two weeks, they'll be like, yeah, you know, she's kind of cool. I think, I think she kind of knows what she's doing. Maybe, maybe I'll let her like work with me a little bit. Um, so you do have to kind of play a little bit, but also 
not internalize that and think there's something wrong with you. Um, always try to take that as a learning lesson and see, okay, is there a way I could have handled that differently or um, not having to like kiss their butt, but trying to figure out how can I, you know, exist professionally with this athlete or this client who has a tendency to want to go to somebody else. Um, ask the like for me, ask K2, ask Trent, ask some, ask Nick, ask some of those guys, ask Brett who have been in this field for way longer than I have. Like, how did you build trust with this type of client? Um, Cause there's always something we can do more, but also knowing that sometimes just isn't a good fit. And just like with you, you're not, everybody's going to be your friend. Um, I think also the cons, uh, people probably say this all the time, but definitely don't go into sports thinking you're going to get rich you're not going to, uh, well, most likely not. I mean, there's definitely your avenues. Um, a lot of times that means you're, you're pretty high up. So you're answering to a lot of people. You're telling a lot of people that also comes with its pros and cons too, not to say it's a bad thing or a good thing. Um, but it's definitely, I, I think a lot of people think they'll go into the NFL and they're going to be make, making six figures. Like you might eventually, or with the right team that needs you at that, that right time. Um, but I, I promise you, like, if you go into it for the right reasons, like, yeah, you still want to live comfortably, but you're not, you're not going to be dying, um, or being super upset because you're not making, you know, six figures, you'll love your job and that will be enough for you. I think a lot of times too, with a uh, sports residency, that's what turns a lot of people off. Um, you don't make very much money, but I, as long as you budget, it's, it's well worth being a better clinician and kind of taking those hits early on. Plus it's a little bit easier when you were just a student because you were just probably living off alone. So you know how to <laughs> kind of finesse it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely think um, some people get the, the misconception that, oh, everybody's going to be this private PT for this elite quarterback. And, you know, you can be by, by all means, like set that goal and go attack it. But at the end of the day, that comes with a lot of sacrifices as well. Not to say that it can't happen, um, but most of the people working in sports are are probably not. You know, they're probably yeah. not very rich, and but that's okay. <laughs> at least mm -hmm. in my mind, um, we already talked about kind of the crazy hours. Um, even now, I mean, we we work more than a forty hour work week. I would say most PTs, no matter what setting you work in, forty hour week is is not a thing. Um, but you learn, I think. I mean, I'm still learning this because I'm still relatively new as a, as a clinician, but just kind of learning how available you are going to be because in the sports world, you are pretty much always available. Like I've spent many Sunday nights, many Monday nights, Saturdays, talking to athletic trainers, just trying to fill them in on, you know, their, their MLB pitcher or their football player or a community college athlete or a collegiate athlete, just kind of checking in. Um, but for me, that that weighs the, I guess the, the cons like, Hey, I'm building this connection with this athletic trainer. Um, they trust me. The athlete knows that they're a priority to me. Am I going to sit on the phone with them for three hours? Probably not, but at least having that like text message or that communication, um, makes me feel more comfortable as a clinician and also probably instill some confidence and trust both in the athlete and all the other healthcare professionals involved in their care. Um, but it is definitely like a thin line that you have to set early on in your career, which I'm still trying to develop myself, but just knowing like where to set your limits, it's really hard because it does get really blurred um, in the sports setting. Um, I know too, kind of, I know we've talked a little bit about just being a female working in that male dominant sport, but knowing too, like, okay, well, if I need to be able to communicate with this athlete, um, I might give him like a, a Google number or something just so you feel comfortable and you know, somebody's not going to abuse that number, <laughs> mm -hmm. but it's, it's just something you, you think about, or, I mean, I know a ton of PTs and athletic trainers who do that normally. Cause it's just like, oh, I can put that on silent and it will go to the Google account and I can check in in the morning. Um, so you just kind of learn different ways to kind of manage your, your work and your, uh, social life. Um, but you also see that there's a lot of people working in professional sports where they, I don't want to say they don't have a social life, but for them, a family or getting married or having kids wasn't a priority. And there's nothing wrong with that. We all just have kind of our different priorities and stuff we do want to have in our life. Um, so that's like the biggest thing too, just knowing working in the sports setting, you need to set 
kind of that hard kind of goal, like we've already talked about working on your goals, um, kind of setting them down. Where do I want to be? If you know you want to you want to be married by the time you're 25 and have three kids, like that might not be doable in the NFL, might not be doable in a clinic setting. You just kind of have to sit down and kind of figure out what's kind of going to set you up for success, whether that's in your personal life, um, whether that's in your career, but it's all, it all comes with kind of who you are as a person and what you want to do. Yeah. Honestly, thank you so much for going into that. I feel like that was really, really in depth right there of all of the pros and cons that you've seen so far and that you've really been able to kind of weigh out in your, in your career so far. And yeah, thank you for being, I think that was really authentic and just, just, everything that you've seen and you've experienced. So thank you for sharing that. The other question that I also wanted to highlight, and you kind of mentioned a little bit, um, and I've had some friends actually in my clinical rotations, and we talked about it a little bit before we were recording, is that some of my friends have even even a very similar route to you that are females, um, and they wanted to get into the sports realm, but they are have a little bit of apprehension or hesitancy of, oh, am, am I a female? Am I going to be seen different um, in the sports realm? And, th- and they really wanted to know those things. And, and you've obviously relatively early on in your career had a lot of success already in the sports realm could you share a little bit about those experiences and and maybe a little bit of motivation to any of those uh, of of my friends that are are females in the PT realm that are wanting to get into sports that you've seen hey I've had this experience and this is what I've learned this is what I'd give as foresight and kind of motivation to them yeah I would say definitely now is the time like there's no better time than now there are women within all professional sports. Like there, there is no reason that you shouldn't have that opportunity. Um, I know when I went to work with the new Orleans saints, um, their director of sports medicine, Bo Lowry at the time, he's no longer there, but, um, he was just like, yeah, I just don't understand why there were no females here. So I was like, yeah, let's get some females. Like he was like, there's no reason females should not be intertwined in this. Um, I just feel like personally, sometimes I even talked about this in my interview, um, when I interviewed at the sports Institute, just sometimes I felt like some of the guys felt more comfortable coming to me with certain things they were struggling with in their rehab, just cause I seemed more empathetic. Cause I was a female. I mean, maybe not be totally true. I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm like that soft sometimes, but just sometimes having an athletic trainer or a physical therapist or a a dietitian, anybody on the sports teams who is a female is perceived as a good thing. Obviously, I mean, regardless of your gender, you have to carry yourself professionally. As long as you do that, there should be no reason that you will have any type of issue. Um, At least in my experience, that's, that's, that's how it was. Um, I think, starting out, you always kind of feel like there are like four kind of eyes like behind you, like watching you, um, just because you are a female. Um, but I really do feel like as long as you don't give people reasons to question you and you just, like I said, get in there, get your stuff done, learn as much as you can build your networks, you will be perfectly fine. And there's, there's people popping up all the time, like, uh, this is athletic training month. So I see a lot of the PFAS, which is for um, the NFL, a lot of them posting um, today. They just posted about, um, I believe it, it was one of the athletic trainers for the Jets uh, talking about her being a female and how important it is for her or how she kind of grew up where she wanted to do that. And now I think this is her first season. Um, so there's a ton of female, even just like interns getting in there. So don't, don't let that deter you. Um, don't seriously, don't let anything kind of keep you back from doing what you want to do. And so what, if they turn you away because you're female, that's probably not an organization you want to work with anyway. Like there's probably a reason there's probably some type of encounter that they've had. So it's just probably not a healthy environment for you to have to function in professionally anyway. Um, so just kind of if one door like gets closed, just think of another one that's about to open. Um, I would not let that deter you or be like make you scared. Um, I would say if you can um, look up different things online. Um, if you go on the PFAS website, I know they have a lot of NFL. I just that's where more of my experience is. But all of the major league teams, they also have different types of like internships. Um, I know coming out of my residency, I was kind of going back and forth. I 
was very blessed with being able to stay for the full season with the New Orleans Saints once my residency was over. Um, that was definitely a total blessing, especially during the pandemic, because I was like, oh, not sure if I'll even get a job because nobody's hiring right now. Um, but um, even with that, um, just trying to make sure that you, you kind of have to look out, like, do you want to try to find something more in sports as in like an athletic training? Like that's what I was looking at, or do I want to just go get a PT job just to get experience in the orthopedic setting? So I was looking at a lot of athletic training jobs, like head athletic trainers for like football teams. Um, I was looking at a Louisville job, um, with their, with their softball team. Um, I had applied at a D3 school to be their, uh, head of sports medicine there, so I was trying to look anywhere, but I was like, okay, I don't, I don't want to do, you know, just an outpatient job. That's not getting me to where I want to be. Um, so it doesn't have to be your dream job, but you do kind of like, for me, I was like, okay, this is going to set me up for my goals of where I want to be with my career. Um, so I would definitely not, not shy away from any of those experiences or opportunities. Just put yourself out there. Worst thing they can say is no. Um, they probably won't tell you it's because you're a female, but <laughs> it's okay. Um, just keep looking because there, there will be someone who says yes, or they will kind of remember you in the back of their head and kind of open an opportunity for you. And that happens a ton in professional sports. That's why you see a lot of times, a lot of those MLB, NBA, NFL people, they're all going from team to team. So a lot of times, once they kind of get their foot in the door, they kind of either work their way up or work their way around. Um, someone will give you an opportunity. You just got to keep banging on doors. That's good. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that and highlighting yeah. that. Um, and then yeah, just a couple of questions before we wrap up. Um, so you're currently working at, at Spooner Sports Institute, and that was formerly Fisher Institute. Um, could you explain to us a little bit about that, that clinic um, and the unique aspects that it provides to the, obviously, the unique patient population that you guys have? Yeah. So I originally found, or I guess found out or knew about originally Fisher Institute when I was in school. Um, so I actually had a friend who was, or a classmate who was at the Fisher Institute and he had K2 as a CI when we were in school and I was in Cottonwood, Arizona. So about like, it's basically by Sedona. So maybe like two hour, two and a half hours um, outside of Phoenix. So I knew about it. I knew about Brett Fisher. Um, I knew I like, I knew I liked the NFL. That would probably be if I was going to work in a male sport, one that I felt the most comfortable kind of being in that environment and kind of knowing the sport enough. So they wouldn't be like, you have no idea what you're talking about, crazy lady. Um, <laughs> so I kind of knew kind of the background, kind of what the patients they saw. And I was like, you know, I, I, was thinking like, you know, if I don't do a sports residency or I'm just looking for jobs, um, that'd be a really cool place to work at just from knowing kind of the, the history behind who worked there, what they do, who they see. Um, and the fact that it just functioned as a team, like I, especially after being, um, at my residency, I was like, I could literally work in an inpatient setting if I had the people that I had here. Like that team was everything to me. They were a family. And so that was something huge that I wanted to see out of a place that I was going to work and that I immediately felt when I had my interview with um, Trent and Becca and Nick. Um, so there's some of my coworkers at the uh, Sports Institute. But the biggest, like, I guess the best way I could describe the Institute is it's literally like a big jungle gym. It's a high, like high pace, fast pace, crazy environment where it's like a turf field, there's people lifting, there's people getting treated, but it flows so beautifully. Like it, there's not just like, oh, well, you know, the old people and like the people who are all broken stay on this side. And then you have like the people who are kind of doing good on this side. And then you have the athletes on the field, like people are passing athletes. We have 81 year olds getting their, getting their groove on out on the, on the floor. Like it's such a nice environment because it's, it's so intertwined and there's no separation. Um, the same with all of my coworkers, like we have, you know, our rehab side, and then we also have our strength and conditioning side, like more of our performance side. And we all work so, so well together. I le I've learned so much from Chip Charleston and Landon who are on our strength and conditioning side since I've started there than I could have ever asked for. 
Um, and they, they offer a lot of knowledge stress on that side and programming and, you know, how am I going to program this eight-year-old little league pitcher um, compared to our NFL defensive end? And they offer so much knowledge in that. And they, I mean, they try to downplay how much knowledge they have all the time. It's, it's insane how much they bring to the table. Um, I think also I had never worked with techs until I came here. We have such highly trained and specialized techs. It's ridiculous. Like most, most of the time people think they're also PTs and they'll be like, Hey, can I get on so-and-so schedule? I'm like, Oh, actually like they, they don't have a schedule. They're, they're just one of our techs. Um, but they're so, they're so awesome. Like we would not function without our techs. And I think that's, that's an environment I've never been in and one that like during my residency, we didn't have techs and two, just like when I've ever filled in at a different PT place, not to say that their techs weren't great. I just think ours function. So like they can handle four to five patients at one time and know exactly what cue to give somebody that's on the turf while they're in here teaching someone how to do some crazy exercise. Like I just can't, I'm so grateful for them. Um, which is definitely, we've gotten really lucky with the, the techs that we've had. Um, I also think too, just as a clinician standpoint, um, one thing coming away from the NFL, kind of like I mentioned earlier, was like not feeling like we were putting on as many band-aids and really being able to rehabilitate people kind of from injury to, to kind of return to play. We do get the, that opportunity with, I guess our biggest kind of pools are the MLB and the NFL. So we do have the that exposure to those guys, um, whether they're coming in as like workers comp cases, or if they're coming on like private insurance, just being able to really kind of piece together stuff that, and like take care of those guys one-on-one and kind of show them the attention that they don't necessarily get in season. And I think it's, it's really pivotal for that athlete and also for us as clinicians. And it also gives us kind of a point of contact with that sports team to be like, Hey, like, I caught this on eval. We're going to start working on this a little bit. Um, we're like, did you guys notice that? Or like, had you noticed anything different while he was playing? Like, could you send us some tape or just, it, it kind of gives you a good way to network, but also to kind of like communicate kind of with that athlete and try to see like, okay, I know you were, you were making it through the season, but how can we make you better? So you don't even have to deal with that next season. And then you just have literally, you know, the, the lay person coming in, which keeps you on top of yourself as a clinician. Like, don't forget those post-op hips. Like, don't forget those post-op knees. Like you're definitely going to see those too, which is so important. I think just being a well-rounded PT, cause you, you have to be able to treat any and everything that walks through the door, Medicare patients. Um, we don't really see access or Medicaid patients, but just being able to literally treat any and everything. Um, you'll literally, you'll, I've had a ton of, um, completely Spanish speaking patients, which I know we've talked about personally a little bit. Like I took, I think about four, four or five years of Spanish. And that's probably like my biggest regret was not keeping through with that in college and getting a, like a medical Spanish minor, especially in Arizona and working with the MLB more than more sports than others, you will use that. It's so valuable. Like if I could tell anybody to do something like learn Spanish, like if you want to go in professional sports, learn Spanish, it will teach you so much. Um, and it'll allow just kind of a different level of rapport with that patient. Um, a couple of them I'm working with. I mean, I, I, speak Spanglish pretty well. So it works well. <laughs> um, but I think just trying to means a lot to those patients, but so we do see a lot of Spanish speaking at, um, the sports Institute, which I've, I'm starting to actually really love because it's making me kind of think back and kind of, I don't know, respark some of those neural pathways that I had since like, high school, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. but no, it's, it's a, it's a really, really fun environment. I love it. I would not take back coming here for nothing. That's awesome. Yeah. And honestly, that, that is really, really good. I, I love that you're able to explain all the things that really kind of attracted you to that and the learning. And you kind of highlighted before the mentorship and that aspect has been super valuable to you. So yeah, thank you for highlighting all of those things. Um, and just before we wrap up, um, just a couple of questions that I always like to ask the guests before we finish. Um, what is something that you'd wish you had learned sooner in your career and then is there any other additional information or words of advice you'd like to share? 
Um, I feel like I've already kind of hit on knowing sooner in my career, but knowing that there's never a perfect time for anything, it's like now is the time, whether it's, you know, being a female jumping forward in sports, whether it's, you know, taking some time off, um, to go get your master's of athletic training. If, if you have a goal and you want to reach that in your career, like now is always the perfect time to do it because you'll always have something else down the line. Like I remember when I was in new Orleans, I wasn't actually going to take my SCS because I was like, I'm working 15 hours a day, seven days a week. I literally don't have an hour to read another, um, a, anything, anything, article, book, nothing. I can't look at a flashcard. I'm going to fall asleep. And I remember one of my mentors, he was, he told me that he was like, Caitlin, there will never be a perfect time for anything. And I was like, you know what? You're so right. Like, you're so right. Like if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? When I go back home and I have my family in my face, I have my dog in my face. I'm trying to find a job. Um, I was like, now I have so many resources. Like I remember studying stats. That was ew, but I was studying (laughs) stats for the, for the SCS. And I had our director of rehab beside me, um, as I was studying it, it was like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. Um, it was just like a normal practice day. And I was like, Hey, JG, um, do you remember this about stats? And he was like, no, but like, we can figure it out together. Like I was in such a good environment to have people help me. And I was literally like two days away from not being able to apply to take it. Um, and I'm so glad he gave me that advice and that the people that I was around at the time were able to support me in that. Um, because looking back, I have no idea how I did it because it was so crazy and I was moving, but it it's, it's literally never going to be a perfect time. Like if it's something you want to do, just set your heart to it and you, you'll get it done. You'll make it work just because you're passionate about it and you want to do it. Um, just take that leap of faith and go for it. Perfect. Thank you. That was, that's, I think you can, we can apply that to a lot of different aspects of life. Like I, I was thinking about that in PT, but also just like a bunch of other avenues that like me and my wife are currently on and that we're doing, like, it really just like, you know what, that's so true. Like you just got to take that jump. And if you're passionate about it, like you'll make it, you'll make it work. And if not like worst case scenario, like you'll fail forward and you keep growing from it. So that's perfect. Thank you. Right. Just um, a lesson and you'll learn. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing, just to finish up, uh, if people are interested in talking with you more, what would be the best way to contact you? I would say just my email. I'll give like my personal it's K R K E Y S E R three at gmail.com. So it's my, my first initial, my middle initial R and then my last name Kaiser K E Y S E R three at gmail.com. Okay, perfect. Caitlin, thank you honestly so much for coming on. I love that a lot. That was really good just to be able to get a deep dive into the sports realm and being able to have that like the ATC background. I think that was super cool to be able to dive in and, and talk about that more. It's something that we haven't had a lot of experience yet on the podcast, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. That was a pleasure. No, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thanks everybody for listening to the podcast. I hope you liked that episode. If you did make sure to subscribe and also leave a review. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time.